Hi, I'm Simon Drew, and welcome to the Practical Stoic Podcast, where I dive deep into the ancient philosophy of Stoicism. If you find value in this podcast, then you can become a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. Otherwise, you can head to simonjedrew.com to find my writings, my music, and also information about my one-on-one coaching. But apart from that, I hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Practical Stoic Podcast. Now today we don't have an interview, but we are going back to the Seneca series. I know it's been a few weeks since I've released one of those episodes, but we are up to episode number 12 of the Seneca series, Seneca on Learning How to Die, part two. And before we start this episode, I want to let you know that this podcast would not be possible without my incredible Patreon supporters. And if you do have the means to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. And over there, you can get access to many benefits, including uh, many, many more of these Seneca series episodes. So this is number 12 of this series, uh, but there are now over 60 episodes in the Patreon feed uh, for the patrons only. So uh, head over there. Again, it's patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. We'd love to see you over there. Uh, But other than that, I hope you enjoy this episode. In this episode, I'll be continuing my analysis of Seneca's fourth letter on the terrors of death. And the passages that I'm going to be reading to you in this episode uh, really paint a beautiful picture of what Seneca is trying to teach us about the reasons why we cannot live fully. And it really actually is very similar. His perspective is very similar to, say, the perspective of the Taoists and the Buddhists and um, and a lot of, uh, you know, various philosophies and religions from around the world, uh, which is essentially to say that the very reason why we don't live fully is because we are so attached to this thing that we call life. And so, I'll, I'll, read, I'll read you this passage, and I find it very interesting, but he says, quote, Most men ebb and flow in wretchedness between the fear of death and the hardships of life. They are unwilling to live, and yet they do not know how to die. For this reason, make life as wholly agreeable to yourself by banishing all worry about it. No good thing renders its possessor happy unless his mind is reconciled to the possibility of loss. Nothing, however, is lost with less discomfort than that which cannot be missed. Therefore, encourage and toughen your spirit against the mishaps that afflict even the most powerful. End quote. So, there's a few things that I think about uh, when I read this passage, thoughts that pop up in my mind. And one of the first things that uh, really sticks out to me is the fact that he says that, you know, nothing is lost with less discomfort than that which, when lost, cannot be missed. And it can be easy to interpret this as almost as a strange philosophical roundabout call to nihilism. It's like, wait, am I supposed to just not care about my life? Is it something that I shouldn't miss? Not that we can miss our lives because we'll be dead, but, you know, should I not take this with a certain degree of seriousness here? And, and, And I think that essentially what he's trying to say is that it's the attachment to life. It's the grasping of life that really 
inhibits our ability to live and be involved in the process of life and death, which, as we know, is the same process. And that's something to really think about. That's, that's a classic idea, as, as we've discussed, you know, found in many different cultures, many different philosophies and religions, that your attachment is the very thing that's keeping you from seeing everything that would be important for you to see and from experiencing everything that would be important for you to experience. And at the moment, in a lot of the cultures around the world, we're experiencing a shift in the way that we see the world. You know, we don't see the world in the same way that they did 2,000 years ago. You know, we live in a very materialistic, uh, reductionist worldview. Uh, and in that kind of worldview, it's very easy to think, well, it's very easy to feel very lonely and vulnerable. It's, it's easy to think, well, this is all that it is. You know, and that can really lead you down a, a very nihilistic pathway. But, you know, we know that the Stoics were cosmopolitans. You know, they looked at the world and they perceived the world from a cosmological perspective. And what that means, at least in part, from, from my perspective and my study and to the best of my understanding as I've, I've thought about these things, is when you consider what it is that you call you... Right. It's very easy to, you know, reduce that down to, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm Simon. I, this is my career and, you know, I live about 80 years and that's it. But if you take a cosmic perspective, you know, you're involved in something that is much, much larger and much, much older than what it is that you think you're involved in. And you're not just some simple thing on this planet. I mean, you are the ideas that you hold to the extent that you hold them and they don't hold you. Uh, you are the people that you spend time with. You know, you are the things that you do repeatedly. You are the conglomeration of the genetic pool of millions and millions and millions of people and creatures who came before you and evolved you to be in the place that you are now. You're also the memory that you bring with you and pass on to the generations after you. You are a ripple within this great ocean that we call the cosmos. And you do have an effect on everything. And there's this great story uh, that was told in a movie I watched recently called Soul. It's a new Disney movie, and you have to watch it. It's absolutely beautiful. It's very wise, very insightful. And a lot of it is, is just, it will really make you rethink the way that you see the world. And, uh, and there's this great story that a saxophonist tells uh, to this pianist, and she says... Uh, you know, one fish went up to another fish in the ocean and said, hey, can you tell me how to get to the ocean? And the other fish said, what are you talking about? You're in it. it you're surrounded by it. And the other fish goes, no, 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 no. This is water. I'm looking for the ocean. You know, you're in the ocean. You're in this thing called the cosmos, and it is just as much a part of you as you are a part of it. And when you think of it from that perspective maybe that can help you to drop some of your attachment to 
this 80s, you know, this span of a few years of, of history that we get to experience this. And maybe you stop thinking of yourself as just a human uh, living an 80-year life. Maybe you start thinking of yourself as a part of the process of transformation that is always happening within the cosmos. And maybe if you could start to think like that and perceive the world like that, you would realize that you know, you are absolutely connected to every other part of the tribe of humanity by the way that you live your life and by your actions and your thoughts and your deeds. And likewise, you are connected to everything that you think is outside of you. And I know that this is kind of moving in the direction of, say, mysticism or metaphysics and and, and that sort of stuff, but you know, maybe if you gain that kind of perspective, the cosmological perspective of widening your vision of what it is that you are and what we're all doing here, maybe the boundaries that you put up in your life that you call birth and death start to dissolve. And you realize that birth or death, you know, they are are nothing more than continuations of the same process that has always happened. And so, chill out. You know, you're doing it. You're in the ocean. Like Marcus Aurelius said, what you need to recognize is that you, just like every single one of your ancestors who came before you, you know how to do this. You've got reason, which is your spark of the divine power. It's your your insight into the reason of the cosmos. And you've got that. And that means that you can figure this stuff out too. And you're just as involved in the process of, of becoming that the cosmos is doing as every single one of your ancestors before you has done. And that's really powerful stuff. And if you can allow yourself to lose that attachment to, to life, that grasping attitude of, you know, this is all that there is and I've just got to get as much as I can, do as much as I can, it's like, That makes me think of something that I know as a musician, which is that what you're supposed to do as a musician is you practice and you practice and you practice, but when you get on stage, you've got to forget all that and you've just got to be there and you've got to allow it to happen and you've got to go with the flow, as cheesy as that sounds. You've got to get into that flow state where you're not necessarily thinking, but you're just existing in that moment of playing the music in the way that it is manifesting itself. And that's that's why one of the reasons why we find music so inspiring and meaningful in our lives is because it paints a picture of what life could be like if we could lose our attachment, if we could lose our anxieties about the shortness and the mortality of our existence, and if we could recognize that there is a place where we can exist that doesn't have so many boundaries, that allows us to flow steadily down the river, like Seneca said in in that last episode, you know, to flow towards that new destination. And I don't know if I'm being exactly clear here. I don't know if I'm exactly getting it across in the way that it needs to, but I hope that you're taking something away from this and it's making you maybe even challenge your own perspectives and, and how you see the world around you. Now, I was going to read a few more passages here, but I think I'm going to save them for another episode because I'm, I'm happy where we've kind of arrived in this episode. But in the next one, I'm going to be speaking about Seneca's comments in this same letter about fate and, and the trials of life. And, and it's very necessary to be talking about that sort of stuff when we're learning 
you know, learning how to die or how to live. Uh, and, and, and so I'm really excited to talk about that, but I hope you took something away from today's episode and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Practical Stoic Podcast. Remember that you can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. There you'll gain access to many exclusive episodes that haven't been released yet, as well as over 200 episodes recorded before 2020. If you'd like to work one-on-one with me as you move towards your ideal, then you can go to simonjedrew.com forward slash coaching. But for now, I'll talk to you next time.